Okay, I've got a great message for you. Are you up for this? Should we pray in? My title today is The Perfect Distance in the Flow. I will unpack that for you, The Perfect Distance in the Flow. Lord, we commit this moment to you. I want to thank you for every amazing person who's here today. I want to thank you for every amazing person who will be watching this online. And I ask they'd be blessed. I thank you, Lord, that you love us. But I thank you love us so much. You don't want to leave us as we are, but you want to shift us forward into bigger, into better, into more fruitful, into more life. Stir us today, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, touch three people and say, this is going to be good. So we've gone with the perfect distance in the flow. Um, most of you will know that our theme passage for this year as Equippers UK comes from Ezekiel 47 where it describes this river that flows out of the temple and everywhere the river goes it just brings life. We'll read some of that in a moment but, but you can see the picture. But then during the process of preaching on the flow, I got this revelation from something I read about healthy hearts. Do you remember? And it went like this, you know your heart is healthy when you start dreaming again. You see, when you stop dreaming and you just go through the motions and you plod out and you plod out, you might be okay. But suddenly when you start dreaming about a better future, what your, your vision of a better future looks like for you, your heart comes alive and you're like, yes, come on. And there's health in your heart to start picturing it better. There's something about dreaming and healthy hearts. And I've given two messages on it and I had great feedback. But I've, as I was praying about speaking today, I felt the Holy Spirit said, we're not done yet. If anyone has taught, if anyone has tried to inspire something, who knows you need to say the same thing three or four different ways before everyone gets it. Some people get it straight away. Some people act like even though you've preached it twice, they've never even heard it. And I'm like, I said that last week. Some people need to see a picture. Some people need to see a film. Some people need to see it written down. Some people need to hear it. We all pick things up differently. And I felt like, let's say it again. Here's why I felt like God needs to say it again. God is looking to demonstrate heaven through the church. He's looking to demonstrate heaven through the church. What does it look like to people who don't yet know Jesus to live a life with Jesus? Well, that's our job to demonstrate that. And so as we start demonstrating what it looks like to live with Jesus, we demonstrate a greater freedom in our life. We dis dis display this anchor in our moments of difficulty, and we all have them. We have our anchor in Jesus that, okay, we're not going to wobble too far. That's what it looks like. Even when there's struggle, we've got our faith and Jesus with us. But then he causes us in faith to behave in exciting ways. Now, we should be the most exciting people on the planet. People should be looking at your life going, wow. And the only reason you're allowed to, you can live like that isn't because you're great, it's because he's great. And he's living in you and it just inspires you to live bigger. Jesus actually came for the fullest life. He actually wants your life to be full. And when we start actually living like that, we demonstrate what heaven looks like. Here in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 23 from the message version, it says this. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. I love that. You see, so often we feel like, you know, we've got to try and fit in with the world. You know, we look at what's happening in the world and we think, how can we be relevant to the world? But God's saying, no, 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 we've got it completely flipped upside down. The, the world is outside the church. The church is here to bring heaven to earth and the world should be looking at the church going, that's how to do it. God wants to use you 
little old you to demonstrate what heaven looks like to anyone who's watching. And actually, outside the church is peripheral to you. You are the one. And here's the thing. A lot of people are still living in shock. We had near on two years of lockdown. That was a shock. We've wrestled with mental health and possibly still do. We've had all kinds of things. We had financial issues, all kinds of stuff going on. And so there's all kinds of reasons when we start thinking about what your dream might look like. There's all kinds of reasons to be cautious. Loads. The cost of living is the latest one, isn't it? Oh, Barry, I've got this dream in my heart, but I'll have to invest in that. The cost of living. Have you heard about the cost of living? Wars. Rumours of wars. Getting a bit end-timesy there. New disease variants. Fear and uncertainty. There's all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't pursue your dream. But I want to say this. If God is for us, and if God placed that dream in your heart, he is able to provide for you, protect you, and make a way for you. So therefore, we're not looking around at the world to see how it pans out. We're dictating this is how it pans out. See, the world's peripheral to the church. We are central. And so as God is stirring something in you, I want to say, don't look around and see how it's panning out for everyone else. Live your God-given life, because actually you're going to demonstrate to them what heaven looks like. Is there an amen somewhere in the house? I love this. In Psalm 23, we know it, don't we, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that one. We're in this difficult place. And I think so many people have been in that. But then he says this, I am comforted by your rod and your staff. And that's really cool. Because the staff has got the hook on it. You know the the hooky, the classic shepherd staff? And it's like when you get it wrong and you end up in the hedge, who's ended up in the hedge in life? Come on, it's not just me, I know that. We've ended up in a hedge in life. There's Jesus with his staff saying, it's okay, I'll get you out. I'll get you out. Do you know what that means? That means you can have a try. And if it doesn't go right, he'll get you out. Confidence. And then there's the rod. Have you ever felt like you got a bit lazy in life? And, you know, you look around and think, everyone else is having a go, and I'm just plodding along. And there's Jesus with his rod giving you a smack up the backside saying, come on now, we're going this way, we're going this way. Anyone had that experience? See, his rod and his staff are because he's taking you through the valley, not to stay there, but out to the table of life on the peak. That's where Jesus wants you living. And if you feel like you're in your valley, it's okay because there's the rod and the staff. He'll pull you out the hedge, and he'll smack your bum and say, we're going this way. And it's good. When you look at Genesis 1, there it is, there's this chaos and the Holy Spirit hovering over the chaos. And what does he do? He brings order which allows flow in life. See, God's good at this stuff. So if you feel like you're in a moment where you're like, I don't know what's going on. I understand all this stuff. I've been through some stuff. Let's get Jesus in the middle of it because it allows your dream to become a reality. If you're in chaos, he can bring order and flow. If you're in the hedge, he can hook you out. If you're going a bit slow, he can smack you up the bum because he loves you. And there's full life for you to have. Are you with me? We are not here to wait for everyone else to start moving forward to watch what sees what happens, we are here to represent Jesus. And Jesus is saying, come on church, I want you to demonstrate something. It's time to dream again. Are you with me? Come on, I don't know what that looks like for you, but it's time to dream again. Let me unpack what it looks like in my house. You know, we're all in the same situation. My house too has been through lockdown. My house too has been living the pandemic. But you know what? In this calendar year, we've, we're moving house we bought a new dog, and we're having a dream holiday. You see, we're living the dream. We're living the dream. We're thinking, shove it. My God's with me. 
We've seen the new house. We thought, we'll have that new house. There's all kinds of reasons why not to have the new house, but we're having the new house. You see why? Because we demonstrate what heaven looks like. We've got a dream in our hearts. My wife particularly wanted a dog. Who knows in lockdown, dogs trebled in price. There's all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't have the dog, but the wife wants a dog. It's her dream. She's going to have her dog. Because God makes a way. And we're going away to America in, in August, taking the family. We live in the dream. Why shouldn't we? Why should we look around and be all cautious? The cost of living, the cost of family, we can't go on holiday now, the cost of living. Shove the cost of living. My God's with me. Are you with me? My God is with me. Here's the great thing. He's also with you. So I don't know what's holding you back, but we are here to demonstrate what Jesus looks like. How about dream again? How about start living again? Can I say to all the adults, children are watching. We are setting culture. You are setting culture to your children. You are setting culture to their friends. They are watching. And is the biggest dream your children are ever going to have is to get a thousand likes on Instagram. Come on, we can dream bigger than that, can't we? Come on, what about actually, I'm doing this, I'm pushing this door, I, I'm taking this project on, I, I'm taking this exam, I'm, I'm visiting this country, I'm, I, I, whatever it might be for you and your kids. That we don't just go for likes on Facebook and likes on social media, we go for life. But we need to demonstrate something, church. The ball is in your court. Nudge the person next to you and say, come on, it's time to dream again. Let's read this passage in Ezekiel 47. I won't do all of it, I'll just do a little chunk. Here we are in Ezekiel 47, starting at verse 1. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from the under, under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me round to the outside, to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. Turn to the person next and say, he measured off a thousand cubits. And then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits. Turn to the person on the other side of you. He measured off another thousand cubits. And he led me through the water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand cubits. Turn to someone else and go, he measured off another thousand cubits. And the water was up to the waist. You know what's coming. He measured off another thousand cubits. Turn to three people and say, there's thousands here. But now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asks me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on, the, on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it enters into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. What a great passage for us as a church. Everywhere the river flows, we bring life. We bring life. That's such a great theme. And this can be very spiritual as well as very practical. 
when we hear this kind of message, you start, I hope that you can apply it to you. What does that mean to you? And it can mean all kinds of things. It could mean for you in this season in your life, you need to flow as being a great parent. And what happens is your fellow parents who are looking at you get inspired by how you parent your children. And you know what it does? It brings life into their parenting because you're flowing. Do you see? It might be that you're in a season where you're really developing the prophetic and you're getting very close to God and you're hearing his voice and and you're speaking it out and you're getting in this flow. And what it's doing is you're speaking out life. People are inspired and their hearts come alive and you're developing your prophetic gift. It might be that you're a teacher or a communicator and suddenly as you start speaking out, people need to hear your voice. And as you speak out, it brings inspiration. And what happens then? As the more you do it, you get better opportunities and different opportunities. Find yourself on different platforms in front of different people. What happens? It gets deeper. Nearly stumbled back there, didn't I? It gets deeper. What about people carrying a spirit of wisdom? Wisdom in handling finances, wisdom wisdom in navigating relationship, wisdom in just understanding great life choices. Well, you could be flowing in that in this season. And what happens is as you share your wisdom, life springs forth. I'm trying to unpack it a little bit because everyone's in there somewhere. And here's the great thing. Who knows for a river to flow, it's not a tsunami that all splashes down at once and destroys and wrecks stuff. It, it comes across in the flow. So, so you've got the people teaching and they're ahead. And then you've got the people prophesying and they're behind them. And then you've got the people who are evangelizing. And then you've got the people who are carrying wisdom. And what happens is we flow through together. And it just brings life. It's not crashing down on everyone, destroying everything. I don't know where I'm going. No, there's a flow. And we work together. So people who are teachers need to be working with the people who have wisdom. And people who have wisdom need to be people who are hanging out with people who are parents. And people who are parents need to be hanging out with the people who are praying. And so between us, we just cause this great big river of flow. You fit in there somewhere. God is calling you to something. And it won't be the same as everyone else. But you will play your part in flow. Do you hear me? So you notice that as we read that, I highlighted this man who is measuring out distance. See, you need to know that there needs to be an anointed person in your life that helps you navigate how far to go. How far to go. Here's the things to note. He was a representative of heaven, an anointed man. And when you go the perfect distance, you find yourself in the right depth. And there might be people in this room who are ready to swim. But there might be someone else in the room who's just ready to go knee deep. The question is, how do you know? And the how you know is to get alongside a representative of heaven, anointed person that helps you make life choices, which keeps you in the right level of flow, going the right distance. You go too far, you're struggling. You don't go far enough, you're going to get the rod up the backside. But we have to go the right distance. Do you hear me? Can I say this? We need the church. We need each other. Me on my own, I can go off for all kinds of tangents. But when I've got people around me saying, yeah, yeah, Barry, that, that's great, but how about over here? You know, I'm a great champion of people. You know, if, if you're lagging behind, I'm going to be the guy saying, there's more in you. Come on, I'm not here to tell you off, but I'm here to get the best out of you because you'll be blessed and you'll play your part and you'll flow and you'll be happy. We need each other. Proverbs 15, verse 22 says this. Plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. 
Who knows that when you start dreaming, when you start picturing stuff, when you start planning, generally you'll talk to someone. But here's the thought. Be wise with who that is. Because if the whole point is to get in a, a, a Holy Spirit flow, can someone who's not filled with the Spirit help you with that? And the answer, I think, is no. They might have great worldly wisdom, and there is, that, that's awesome. But we're talking about flowing with God here. And I believe flowing with God is where you'll find your happy space, your satisfied space, your joyful space. And so to believe in the flow of the Holy Spirit, you need someone in your life who has got wisdom and the heart of the Father in them to guide you how far to go. And you'll be blessed. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart for the issues of life flow from it. The word issues is the word tosayot. And it actually means distance. So what it's really saying is guard your heart because it's going to depend on that how far you're going to go in life. And here we are talking about distance. So there's this massive issue about guarding your heart. You see, if you go to your work colleague and you say, I've got this dream. I've been thinking about starting a business. I've been thinking about moving house. I've been thinking about moving country. I've been thinking about stepping back from whatever it might be. You can get their wisdom. But is that wisdom going to get into your heart and cause you to go the wrong distance? Because there was no anointing on it. We need anointed people to help us wrestle through with the big issues of life. Because it's going to dictate how far you go. Are you with me? Here's the thing. Most of you will know that uh, a couple of months ago I uh, went to preach in Ghana. Awesome experience. Brilliant country. Brilliant people. The church is really thriving there. But I want to tell you, when you arrive at border control, it's intense. I got off the plane. I reckon within about... A hundred meters, I reckon four people had asked to see my passport. I was like, he just asked. By the fourth person, I was actually getting a bit moody, if I'm honest. <laughs> I haven't changed since there. It's still me, but they're asking you. And they've got guns. And then they start asking you, can I see your, at, at the time, it was going to, can I see your vaccine thing from the NHS? Yeah, we'll show that. Well, I showed that three times. I thought, I haven't had a jab since just there. It was not, and, and then you get there and they look at you up and down and they, they put them through their, their, their machine and they look at you. Why are you here? The great thing is they're quite a spiritual nation. So I was like, I'm here to preach. They're like, okay, pastor. <laughs> Have you booked your ticket home? Can you show me? How long are you here for? Where are you going to stay? They were asking question after question after question. Border control is intense. They don't just want to let any old body into their country. Here's the question. What's the border control like on your heart? Because if your heart is going to dictate how far you go, what voices are you allowing in? Where do they come from? How long are they staying there? And what's their purpose? Why do we guard Ghana's border so strongly, but guard our own heart not at all? Oh, well, I went to work and Susie said to me, not this Susie, Susie said to me, <laughs> oh, Barry, I think you should do this. And before you know it, you're thinking, oh, yeah, Susie said that. That's quite good. Susie's talking absolute rubbish. Again, not this Susie. <laughs> but you hear my point. Guard your heart. When you're talking about the big issues of life, when you're talking about getting in the flow so you are blessed and you bring life everywhere you go, get an anointed person speaking into your heart. For lots of reasons, they'll hear from heaven on your behalf. But their motivation is love. They want you to win. 
So if they say hold back, it's not because they want to hold you back. It's because they feel like heaven is saying, you're all just slow down a little bit. Or if they say, come on, push forward. It's not because they're smacking you up the backside. It's because there's more in you. Do you get it? Guard your heart. If faith comes by hearing, what's your listening like? Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? Is it based on the word? Is it bringing life to you? It's time to dream again. So if our goal looking at this is to get you in your unique flow, going at the right speed and going in the right direction and going at the right distance, loving life, standing in faith. Here's what I do believe, whatever your dream is. If you can do it without God, you need a bigger dream. God says, without faith, you can't please me. And to require faith means God has to be in it with you. You know, so, so as, as, whatever it is you're dreaming about, let's get God in the middle of it. And here's what I think. Probably for the mo- majority of people, we either go too far or not far enough. I don't think many people get it exactly right. Do you hear what I'm saying? You look at your, your history and the things you've done and things you've pushed for. Did you go too far and too fast or actually did you not push far enough? Let's quickly look at the idea of not going far enough. I want to unpack that here in 2 Kings chapter 13 and verses 15 through 19. It says this, Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will only defeat it three times. Can you see? Here is a guy listening to an anointed man of God encouraging to do something. But when he had to play his own part, he didn't go far enough. He obeyed. But he didn't go far enough. You only struck the ground three times. Fool! If you'd struck it five or six times, you'd have completely won. But now you will win, but you're only going to win three times. And then they'll be coming back at you. Can you see, he didn't go far enough. I wonder if we can relate to that thought process. When you've got a dream in your heart, when you know you know it's God, when you've got people in your life saying, yes, do that. That's a great idea. I really, that really resonates with me. Go for it. See, you've checked it out with God. You've checked it out with anointed people. You thought, there we go. And then what happens when we have to do our part? We don't quite go far enough. We don't quite go far enough. And here's the thing. God has a unique blessing just for you. He actually wants you blessed. And your choice is this. You can walk in all of it, some of it, or none of it. And it's down to you. How far will you go to walk in the full blessing that God wants for you? You know, I was reflecting on my own life, and I appreciate a lot of my stories are ministry-based, and I'm at pains to, this isn't just about church life, this is about your home life, this is about your working life, this is about your social, this is about your whole life. But most of my life, you know, because of what I'm called to, revolves around church. And some years ago, probably when we were only two or three years old as a church, we had our first ever guest ministry, and it was Pastor Sam Monk, who is the global leader of Equippers Church. 
our first ever guest. We were, I don't know, 40 people in the room at the time probably, and he was willing to come, and that, that's always spoken to me. But there I was, a young pastor, or new at the game anyway, and I was trying to impress him and saying, oh, you know, I'm stirring my faith, Pastor Sam. He was like, oh, go, Barry, what, what, what? He said, I said, next month, I'm believing for an extra 200 pounds. And he looked at me and went, that's not faith, that's a television. I was like, oh, I thought I was really being all faith, you know, I'm believing for 200 quid. He went, no, but you know what it was? He's anointing man of God. He wasn't putting me down. Well, he did put me down. <laughs> but what he was really saying is, there's much more in you than that, Pastor Barry. Why are you dumbing it back? It's a TV. Anyone can believe for a TV. You could actually walk out tomorrow and buy a TV. Anyone can do that. You don't need God for 200 quid. Some people might, but in my situation, I didn't. He's going, that's not faith. There's more in you. And actually, as I walked away, I was, I was challenged in a good way because a man of God spoke into my life and said, there's greater distance in you, Barry. You're missing it. You're ankle deep and you're supposed to be waist deep by now. Go a bit further. Believe a bit more. Dream a bit bigger. Ask better questions. Push harder doors. Challenge yourself more because God will be with you. I, I don't know where any of you are at, but I know this. If you push a bit further, some of you, God will be with you. And the life will get bigger. I think it's funny how so often, left to our own devices, we do dumb it down. We play it safe. The, the majority of people play it safe. I'm sure this is resonating with some of you. But there's more in you. And the blessing is attached to faith. The blessing is attached to faith. I, I remember um, one of my first ever trips, I went on, Pastor Peter uh, took me to a um, place in Germany called Bergamasheim. And it's the biggest um, Bible college in Europe. Um, over a thousand students there. And it was an interesting place because it used to be, they built it for um, Hitler to train his main men. So it was actually Hitler's training camp. But the church bought it and redeemed it. And now it's training young people to go out and change the world, which is so awesome all by itself. And uh, I got to stay there and there's this little two sort of bedroom flat in the, in the college and they put us there together. And um, uh, so there was a thousand students there and their parents. There's probably 3,000 people at this conference uh, you know, I, I was still quite new in the ministry. I was excited to be there. I really went just to carry Peter's books and be part of it. And on our very first night, two things happened. Um, as I was about to go to bed, Peter very kindly said to me, oh, by the way, Barry, that room you're sleeping in used to be Hitler's bedroom. <laughs> Actually, Hitler's bedroom. And he said, I've only slept in there three times, didn't sleep a wink. <laughs> I was like, Thanks. Do you know when you go to bed and you're literally like, shabba dabba dabba shabba dabba. I've never shabba dabba dude so much in my life. But then he said, oh, and by the way, tomorrow I'd like you to do two sessions. And uh, these are the topics. Good night. And I, I don't know if you've done speaking, but I like at least a day to prepare. I had one night in Hitler's bedroom. <laughs> and uh, it weren't the best night. So I was shabba doing all the demonic activity that may or may not have happened there and trying to prepare to speak to probably the biggest crowd I've ever spoken to in my life at the time with literally a few hours notice. But here's the great thing. Peter knew I had it in me. I needed an anointed man to say, there's more in you, Barry. You can go further than that. I know you've got this. So you're on tomorrow. And do you know what? I did it. And it went flipping well. The great thing is you know you've preached well when you do an altar call and literally 95% of the people come forward. 
You know, and that, if you ever go on ministry trips, they all want you to pray for them because you're the guest minister. And I've got like about 700 young people in front of me. I'm like, this is going to be long. <laughs> and I'm doing it through translation into German. So if I'm praying, they're there. So it doubles the time. Anyway, I digress. The point is this. Peter knew there was more in me. He knew I could go further. He just needed to challenge me and put me on the spot. So what does that look like for you? If there is greatness in you, are you dumbing yourself back? Have you stopped dreaming? Have you stopped asking the questions? Have you stopped pushing? I'm here today to say there's greater distance in you. Come on, don't go for half the blessing. Don't go for none of the blessing. Go for the whole blessing because God's got it for you. And it got me thinking, why? Why do we dumb it down? And I've come up with three suggestions, and there's probably more, but I've come up with three. And the first one is this, fear. What if it goes wrong? You know, if Peter had said to me, Barry, do you fancy having the chance to speak tomorrow? I probably said, oh, Peter, I would love to, but I'd like a bit more time to prepare, so I'm happy to sit next to you. What if it goes wrong? What if I didn't have anything to say? What if I fell flat on my face? Fear can rob you of the blessing. But when I had no choice and I just got on with it, I walked in the blessing. I'll never forget it. It was awesome. If you've got a dream in your heart, if you feel like it's from God, if you've asked a friend or two friends who you know are Holy Spirit filled and they've said, yeah, I believe in that, press on. Here's why. Perfect love drives out fear. There's no fear in God. So why are you getting fearful? If God's put it in you, you can do it. Let's stamp the fear down. Here's a better thought. What if it goes right? What if it's absolutely amazing? What if you smash it out of the park? But our go-to place is, I might look foolish. It might cost me some money. Oh, I might not get it right. We go there, but what if it goes right? What if you succeed? What if it's amazing? What if God did put it in your heart and he's just waiting for you to step out? What if we stop banging the, the, the arrows three times and start banging them six? And we get the full blessing. Are you with me? I love it. We all know the story of Peter walking on water. And they see Jesus coming across the water. And they're looking at him thinking, what on earth? These are people who walked with Jesus and knew with him. But there's Peter. And he stands up and he says this. Is that you, Lord? Yes, it's me. If you call me, I will come out. So he needed to know before he stepped out that it was Jesus. So if you're going to step out, is it Jesus? Get that confirmed. And once you know it's Jesus, you can step out. And we know how it plays out and we gets out. Can you, can you just imagine? This isn't some random fable. This is true. He gets out of the boat onto water. And he's like, oh, hang on, guys, here I go. Can you imagine it? I wonder how many of you got a dream in your heart. And it will cost you something to go for it. And you're like, oh, I just fall off. But then you step out and, oh, I'm going for it. Oh, oh, it's actually okay. And then we know what happens, don't we? He starts walking towards Jesus. And he's like, I'm really doing it, man. <laughs> he's walking along. And then suddenly, and I think this also happens to us, he suddenly stops looking at Jesus and believing in faith and starts looking at what's happening around him. What on earth am I doing? I'm literally in the sea. Dope. How many of us had that moment where we had a moment of faith, where we stepped out and it was actually going well and then suddenly we stopped and thought, what am I doing? 
and you start sinking. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Did Jesus tell him off? Did Jesus say, you fool? No, 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 no. Jesus reached down and said, come on, Peter. We've got this together. If you fall flat on your face trying to do what Jesus called you to do, he will pick you up. He will pick you up and he will put you back on your feet and you will succeed anyway. But it needs the guts and the faith for someone to say, I'm going to have a go. Second thing I think it could be is apathy. We've become so lethargic. We're happy just to plod along. Lockdown has absolutely not helped with that. We started living lives where the doors are closed. We've got ourselves in a in little way. We're working on, online. We're not seeing many people. We're not attending many things. We're not socializing like we were. And although we've unlocked now, some of that is still clinging to us. And it's just like we've got into a little, little role and oh, it's quite comfy and I, I quite like it. And it, it, Life's all right. But I want to say, you're worth more than that. There's a blessing in you. And here's the thing that is going to bless someone else. Your apathy is not only robbing you of your blessing that you could have, it's potentially robbing someone else of theirs because their blessing is attached to you. And God needs you to step out of the boat and do your bit so that they can see you do it and encourages them. But you've got to go first. And if you're so apathetic and lazy and can't be bothered, you're not only ruining your life, you're potentially ruining someone else's. So can I say, come on, this is a rod moment. Get out of bed, get up. Ask the question, push the door, have the coffee. Demonstrate that thing that's on your heart. But it's time to stop being so flippin' lazy. Come on, church. Touch three people and say, come on, get rid of the apathy. Uh, uh, you, many of you will know Jess Beals, who is our children's ministry leader. And uh, Matt and Jess had the awesome Eliza. And it was time for Jess to go back to work. And I chatted with her and she said, Pastor Barry, she said, I don't really want to go back full time. I'd love it if I could somehow serve the church. It would have been easy for Jess just to go back and do the hours and pick up the money because she doesn't want to lose her maternity pay. And you know how the system works. And, but, but there was this opportunity for her to go part time. And she approached the head teacher in this school. She works in this school. And um, lots of people have approached the head teacher and asked to go part time. And she's always said no. Always. She said it's not good for the kids. They have too many voices in their life. They're better off with one consistent voice. Jess went in there and said, could I go part-time? And she said, yes. She said, yes. She was brave enough to ask the question. And then we chatted. And now we as a church pay Jess for one day a week. And she's not just sitting at home thinking, oh, I've, I've gone part-time. That's it. No, no, no. She's using her day off a week to serve the church. And what's happening is we're developing a great kids' ministry. And families are coming to this church because someone like Jess didn't just get all apathetic and say, I'll oh, just toe the line and plod. She had a dream in her heart. She was prepared to ask the question and she got out of her comfort zone. And what's happening is she's blessed. The church is blessed. The kids are blessed. Life is springing forth. Why? Because she got out of the boat. She pushed. Matt and Jess are away celebrating Corinne's birthday today. But when you see Jess next, give her a hug. She's awesome. She's awesome. She's made a huge difference to so many people's lives. And isn't it great when you come to church and the, your children enjoy church? Well, Jess has played a huge part in that. Developed a team and all the rest of it. So, so good. But she did it because she didn't get lazy. The third thing I want to suggest to you that could uh, cause you to hold back is your history. It went wrong before. I tried before and, and now I've just become super cautious. I'm cautious about allowing myself to genuinely dream and to genuinely flow with God because I was hurt once before. 
I thought I was in the flow last time and it didn't go good. But I'm here to tell you that I'm not negating your past, but your past does not dictate your future. God dictates your future. And if you'll go to him and say, Lord, stir my heart, put a dream in my heart. Or maybe you've already got a dream in your heart and you're saying, Lord, just stir that up again. Give me some boldness. Give me some people to stand alongside me because I don't think I can do this on my own, but I'm going to push. I want to say you'll be blessed. I want to say other people will be blessed. And I want to say life springs forth out of that. Can today be for you a refocused day? Am I prepared to dream? Am I prepared to go for the dream and not just sit at home thinking about it? I loved what happened in worship there. I've just in my notes here, I've got, it's time to break free from chains. Wasn't that the essence of the worship there? It's time to break free from your chains, church. Come on, it's genuine. I'm never quite sure how this is going sometimes. Everyone's sitting there like that. And that's either really good that the Holy Spirit's speaking or it's really bad that I'm preaching rubbish. But I'm hoping it's the former. Round of applause for the pastor, please. What about the flip side? That you're not gone not far enough, you've gone too far. Because that's also a possibility. 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 35 and verses 20 to 24 say this. After all this, when Josiah had set the temple in order, Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Karshemish in the Euphrates. And Josiah marched out to meet him in battle. But Necho sent a messenger to him saying, what quarrel is there, king of Judah, between you and me? It is not you I am attacking at this time, but the house with which I am at war. God has told me to hurry, so stop opposing God who is with me, or he will destroy you. Josiah, however, would not turn away from him, um, but, disguised, uh, but disguised himself to engage him in battle. He would not listen to what Necho had said at God's command, but went to fight him on the plain of Megiddo. Uh, Archer shot King Josiah, and he told his officers, take me away, I am badly wounded. So they took him out of his chariot, put him in another chariot, and brought him to Jerusalem, where he died. He was buried in the tombs of his ancestors, and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for him. Here's the thing, Josiah was a great king. When you read the book of Kings, there are kings who are phenomenal, and kings who are horrendous. Josiah was a phenomenal king. And we've got a Josiah somewhere in the church, somewhere awesome named after a good king but here's the thing Josiah died battling a battle he shouldn't have been in he wasn't called to be there and I wonder why and I don't know but your guess is as good as mine but I want to suggest it's this it's pride he'd won every battle God had been with him every step of the way and then when he came up to the, against this guy Nico who Nico himself says God's spoken to me there's no quarrel between us I don't want to have this fight I, God's with me on this one but he wouldn't listen. Why wouldn't he listen? Because I think he'd won every battle. He thought, God always gives me the victory. I'm not having this. And actually, God wasn't with him. He was on his own. And he died fighting a fight he shouldn't have been in. And that's where we need each other again, isn't it? I want to push this door. I want to push, no, but no, I, I, that just doesn't resonate with me at all. Oh, but I really want to. Yeah, yeah, but I love you enough just to say, be cautious. Because you don't want to go too far and find yourself drowning. You don't want to go too far and find your, your, your life ebbing away because you've taken too much on. That is also a possibility. Nico was a God-fearing man. And Josiah said he was. But in that decision, he left God out of it. I don't want to say it is so key that we listen to each other. 
What about Samson? You all know that story. Samson, whenever I picture Samson, do you picture this great big muscly guy? Samson was the guy with strength. Well, if you look for pictures, historical pictures of Samson, he wasn't a muscly guy at all. He's actually a little guy. Because if he was a great big muscly guy and he was super strong, everyone's going to look at him and go, well, it's obvious you're, you're super strong. You're built like Arnie. You're strong. But he was supernaturally strong. It wasn't because he had big muscles. He was a little guy. But he had huge hair. And his strength was attached to his hair. We know, we know how it goes. And no one could work out, why are you so strong? Why was he so strong? Because God had anointed him. He'd called him for purpose. But Samson won everything. Defeated everything and everybody that came at him. It was outrageous. What happened? The people who were guiding him said, don't hang around with these kind of people. So what does he do? Hangs around with these kind of people. And he thinks he can do it in his own strength. Pride. And in the end, he couldn't do it in his own strength. And in a moment of weakness, he told them what his secret was. It's in my hair. And of course, they cut his hair. And then the little skinny guy's not strong anymore. Because it was attached to his hair. He dishonored God. Pride was his fall. I love the way the story pans out. Because even in his pride... God allowed him to achieve what he was supposed to achieve. He pulled the temple down and destroyed it. That's the goodness of God. Even in our pride, when we mess it up, our God is for us. But we need to learn the lesson. Now, if you've got a dream in your heart, there's something you want to do, check it out with some people. And if they say, look, it just doesn't sit well with me, listen. Because maybe, just maybe, just maybe, you need to take a smaller step. And that's okay too. In my time as a pastor I think far more people fall into category one where we don't go far enough and smaller amount of people fall into category two where we go too far very few people I think get it exactly right some do but I think generally most people fall into one of those categories which is why we need the church which is why we need each other so when we think of Ezekiel 47 he's measured out the perfect distance what's the perfect distance for you in your situation right now See, isn't it great? We just prayed out Dan and Emma and Lydia. But you need to know that before they committed to it, Dan phoned me up and came around for a cup of coffee and said, does it resonate with you? He said, your opinion matters to me. He checked it out with someone he knows who loves him and is full of the Spirit. And much as, you know, inside I'm thinking, Dan, I don't want to lose you. You're awesome. And I could have just said, oh, no, you need to stay. Actually, Dan, I think I got it wrong. But I couldn't, because as he was unpacking it, with a lump in my throat, thinking, oh, I don't want to see these guys go, it's the right thing for them. They are going to go somewhere new and be a blessing there. They're going to bring to life some stuff out there. It's our privilege to play our part in their life, but they're going. But what Daniel, Dan did there was brilliant. He didn't just make his decision, oh, we fancy it, your opinion matters to me. Have someone whose opinion matters to you step in or speak in to your heart over big decisions you're going to make because then you'll get the distance right and you will flow. Are you hearing me? We need some adventure in our hearts. I don't know if lockdown has knocked the adventure out of you, but could we stir the adventure up in us again? Now, the world is peripheral to the church, but the world wants to look at the church and see some adventure. I like what I'm seeing in you guys. It's amazing. You just seem to live life. Yeah, we've been through the same stuff as you, but you know what? I've got faith in a God who loves me, so I'm going for it anyway. I'm going on holiday, I'm buying a house, I'm buying a dog. But more than that, I'm preaching in new places, I'm going around the world, I'm, I'm using the gifts God's given me. I'm going to live life. And I encourage you to live life to the full. We've got to champion each other in faith and love. 
I need you, and you need me. Do you know what? It feels like a family in our church, and I love that. And some of us don't know each other brilliantly well, but you need to know if you are struggling, one hurts, all hurt. One wins, all win. We're a family. We're in this together. And I encourage you to just get involved in pockets of relationship. You might not get to know everyone, but get to know some people so that you're getting a strength over the decisions you're going to make. And let's get flowing with Jesus. The right distance for you. Whatever your dream is, come on. Let's go. I wonder if I could get you to stand. <laughs> just invite you just to close your eyes. Father, thank you for every individual here. Each of us unique. For each of us made in your image. You love us all. Lord, I want to pray that where you've prodded each of us this morning, we'd act on it some encouragement to go a bit further, we go a bit further. We need to rein it back, we rein it back. But help us to get the right distance. I declare blessing over every person here, every household here, every child here. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the testimonies of your goodness that are going to spring forth in the coming months. And all God's people said, Amen. Awesome.